Go, yeah, my dad ate me. Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. Bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that shit up. Shameless. I let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those lots for love type of situations. Impolite. People always fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My finger's always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. And beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? What have you guys been up to? Just enjoying the most magical winter wonderland outside every day. Enjoying. No, I'm just kidding. It's fucking miserable outside, dude. Well, at least <laughs> it's not snowing here. It's like I've seen on the news that Texas is getting slammed with snow. Rolling blackout. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was funny because a lot of comics are moving now to Austin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the Creek in the Cave apparently is reopening in Austin. Holy shit, for real? Yeah, but I'm not sure how that works. I mean, it's just going to be an entirely different building. It's just going to have the same name, and I'm assuming the same owner. So so Rebecca is moving to Austin, I guess? I'm assuming, but I mean, it's still one of those... I mean, it's still cool. I'm glad that they're reopening, but it's not going to be the same thing. It's not like you're just opening a McDonald's franchise that's going to (laughs) be exactly the same. It's going to be... I mean, I'm glad that the more venues, the better... But it is weird that it's not going to be the same thing. But anyway, my point is many New York comics are moving to Austin, and I don't think any of them expect to be greeted by a snowstorm yeah, as they move yeah. to Texas. <laughs> like, oh, that's great. I finally get to move to a city that's not as cold and miserable in the winter, and then boom, you get hit with this shit. Yeah, and get bed bugs next week. Yeah, right. Just that's probably say- what's going to happen. All these dirty New York comics are going to bring all their bed bugs to Austin. <laughs> as long as they... Keep the rats in New York. That's the only complaint, I think. They'll probably bring the rats, too. You know how these (laughs) dirty comics are. Here's a hot take that you guys may have heard about. Did you hear what the police are doing in Beverly Hills right now? They found the ultimate kryptonite. This is for uh, those pesky social justice streamers that like to turn the phone on the cops when the cops are doing naughty things. Mm -hmm. In L.A. County, specifically in, I believe, Beverly Hills, three times in the last month, Police, when they were doing their shenanigans with people of color, questionable arrests, and someone tried to live stream it, they broke out, get this, fucking Beatles music, and started playing Beatles music at full blast, knowing full well that all of the streaming sites like Instagram and Facebook, they have these copyright infringement algorithms now. And if they hear fucking Sweet Paul McCartney's tenor voice, baby, that filter comes on and that video gets deleted. So they're fucking playing Beatles music now every time they get ready to do some fucking evil, sinister shit. I feel like if that becomes well-known enough, then they'll just give a pass. Like, hey, it's it's okay to use our music copyright-free as long as there's police abuse going on in the background. <laughs> I gotta think that they're banking on it just automatically getting flagged because, yeah, I would think if anybody that matters were to see how it's being played, then, yeah, they would be like, no, this is not what we... When we monetized our copyrights and our songs, we weren't thinking, oh, we're going to miss out on all the cops playing our music while they're busting <laughs> black people. <laughs> Not to mention just, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it would make it somehow at least 1% better if somebody's getting the shit beat out of them, but eight days a week is playing in the background. <laughs> Could you imagine if some evil genius puts together like a splicing of 20 different cop videos with hey jude playing in the background while they're bashing some poor victims 
I mean, that would be the ultimate video, I think. <laughs> I hadn't read that article, but I did see a headline. A lot of times, that's just what happens. I see the headline, and then I just move on. I don't read the actual article, but the headline was something like, is this police officer singing Santeria to get past the copyright, or, you know, to do whatever you just... What do you, what oh, yeah. do you describe? Is there a name for this? Uh, I don't even know if there is a name, if they've coined a name for this strategy. They need to, uh, genius... Yeah, okay. So and, and well, it's the same thing. I heard they were doing that sublime first and then they moved on to the Beatles because the Beatles, they're like the top dog of fucking copyright infringement bullshit. Sublime's kind of like they might play along. Well, yeah, apparently and I didn't see the video, so I'm not really sure, but the way it was being described on the headline is that this police officer is singing Santeria. Is he doing this so the video can't be played on YouTube? And I'm like, what, what the fuck are they talking Like, you can get... But, I mean, I guess if it's a thing, maybe that's the way they're getting around. Although, if you're just singing it yourself, is it still going to be a copyright infringement? Hmm. Well, not to mention, I mean, if the point is to show abuse, then can't they just... Be, oh, okay, my video got flagged. Let me just mute it and re-upload it, you know? And then, yeah. I mean, and then they're still getting the... Yeah, it's like you might not hear the audio, but if somebody's getting the shit beat out of them, then... That's why I was assuming that they're just doing it to be annoying because, yeah, that's exactly what you can do. You're like, oh, okay, I got taken down, so you just re-upload it without any sound. But maybe they're just counting on, like, ah, people are just not going to fuck with it. Like, uh, it's going to get cut do? down, and then they're not going to bother to re-upload it. Dude, I just have a million-dollar idea. We need to put together some free-for-use blooper music that anyone can use whenever they're trying to foil the cups. And that way it's just, it just still keeps it kind of light and happy, but it's some indecorous blooper music. They can play and it's copyright free. When they're trying to foil the cops? Yeah, like say the cops are playing the Beatles. Uh -huh. And then I need to live stream this shit now, but I need a way to kind of have some audio where people aren't going to listen to it, whatever. So they get this indecorous blooper music and then known as the wiser. And they yeah, just. That's, that's the problem with the police of abuse videos. Not enough catchy tunes in the background. <laughs> I, I always thought it would be funny to, like, if a cop stops you, just blast fuck the police while they're trying to give you a ticket. But then they're just going to get pissed and beat you up. So it's not really yeah. going to be that funny for that long until they start just beating your ass. <laughs> I just don't know. If you're playing your own music, you just got to play it so loud that it's going to drown out their shit. Is that the way that would work? I suppose, uh, yeah. I was just thinking it'd be kind of funny if somebody took that opportunity to do something wild that's on tape so that they play their own original song and they end up getting like a you know, <laughs> recording contract out of the deal. Yeah, so oh, now dude. just that's going to be the new thing. Just mixtape rappers getting arrested and just yeah. rapping their shit. It's going to be the sequel to Hustle and Flow. Welcome to episode 77 of Indecorous Comedy. This is episode 27 of season 2. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy show. You're the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. On top of me, we have Bobby D. Yo. And on top of him, we have Ian. Hey, yo. Today, we're going to be answering listener questions, talking about Indecorous News. We'll be diving deep into the Indecorous history of back when kids weren't pussies. That's the title that Ian gave me for the deep dive. <laughs> and we're going to close it all out with North Dakota state laws. But before we get into any of that, let's welcome our guest today, Matt McClary, everybody. Hey, Matt, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm pretty good. I'm welcome, good, Matt. man. Where are you at these days, man? I think the last time I saw you was in New York City. I was living in New York for a couple of years, and then I was living in L.A. 
And then my wife and I settled in uh, Orlando. We bought a house here. Oh, nice. How long have you been down there now? Well, just a couple months. Oh, okay. Are you originally from there, or why did you guys choose Orlando? Oh, my wife's family has a house down here, and it had this, like, mold catastrophe that her aunt couldn't really afford to fix, but my wife could, so my wife bought it and renovated it how she wanted it to look. Oh, awesome. Like, one, oh, nice. one person's mold catastrophe is another person's opportunity to yeah. <laughs> buy a house. That's awesome, dude. It's crazy. Mold, it can total a house. Oh, it wrecked this one. Oh, shit. She vacationed down here and she paid this guy, Igor, this Russian fella, to uh, come and look at it every week. Yeah. And he just didn't. He just took the money <laughs> and didn't bother. And it wasn't until the neighbors were like, hey, uh, there's some water coming out of the front door. And then he, they were supposed to visit. And he sends us this, this email that says, sorry to be bringer of bad news, but house is completely ruined <laughs> with these pictures. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. These pictures that looked like something out of the second Planet of the Apes movie after, you know, <laughs> after the virus, which is ironic, but, you know. So he just thought his job was to just alert you once the house was totally destroyed. He thought that was his job? Yeah, I guess that's how he interpreted <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're said. I'm assuming you guys took care of that, right? Oh, yeah, it took a while. Just uh, pretty much a process of the first person uh, we would hire doing everything wrong <laughs> and then us having to hire a professional afterward. It would just be like somebody, like my wife's aunt, friends of hers would be like, oh, you can get this person to do it for cheap, leaving out, oh, they're not a professional and have no idea what they're doing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, who moonlights doing like bold mitigation? Yeah, no, if you do like the remediation and stuff, you better, you better get a probe. Okay, you didn't rehire Igor to fix the house, no. too, did you? Okay. <laughs> no, we didn't. I mean, I'm sure he does it. Sure he <laughs> <laughs> like, this is where we keep going wrong. We keep giving Igor third and fourth and fifth chances. Well, I, mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the thing, though. There's so many guys in Florida who have their fingers in multiple pies. You see yeah. That? All trade, master of none. Yeah. Because yeah. Igor also, it turned out, he was a convicted felon. He had some type of... <laughs> Yeah, it's some type of money laundering scan or something else going. I mean, I kind of figure that when you said Russian, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to start up the podcast like we usually do. We take questions sent from our millions of listeners around the world. We accept all questions sent to us, but we rarely have an answer for any of them. Question number one is always, where do I send questions? And that is to indecorouscomedy at gmail.com. Or hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram at indecorouscomedy. Twitter at Indecorous Pod, Patreon at Indecorous Comedy. And how do you spell Indecorous, Bobby? That's I N D E C O R O U S. I N D E C O R O U S. That's right. And our first question this comes from Troy. He asks, well, this is actually my, a little bit related to house stuff. Why is the hot water always on the left? It's not always on the left. I was just in a hotel and it was on the right. I don't know why. Is that right? Well, I mean, you really had to. Well, you really had to screw with the knob. It just the knob got out of place somehow. You know, I've, I've had that a couple times in hotels actually, and it's just that kind of Russian roulette situation. You know, <laughs> right? You don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it goes from like ice cold to like fucking scorched earth, like Two Face. You know. <laughs> 
Like if it's a two handle thing, I've only ever seen hot on the left. But if yeah. it's like like a, a single handle kitchen faucet, I've definitely seen sometimes down is hot and sometimes up is hot. Right, right. Yeah, I'm assuming he's asking like old fashioned thing on the left, thing on the right. I'm assuming it's just at some point it became the standard and then that's how everybody did it. But yeah. but once we got fancy with it, kind of like Matt is saying, because I ran into that all the time when I was on the road staying in different hotels it's like okay now i gotta figure out what the fucking labyrinth of this shower thing is if like which way is do i turn for I, yeah. sometimes i just couldn't even fucking get the thing to start pumping water i don't know like sometimes you pull sometimes you push i'm just it's, trying to stay out of the line of fire and avoid that al green setting you know yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did read i don't know a long time ago so i don't even know what the history of it is but like why at least in the united states we drive on the right instead of the left but in england they do it the other way around so i guess at some point somebody had to like get together and be like all right well just so people stop burning themselves let's all do it the same way but it doesn't seem like there is that much of a consensus with all these new faucet things yeah, then that way you just only burn yourself when you travel internationally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why Americans always come back with fucking burns on their hands and shit. Oh, yeah. So I guess the answer to this question is we just don't know why yeah. it's on the left. It just seems that at some point somebody. But I think we have raised some good points as we end. And that's the point of asking these questions is they really need to standardize these fucking faucets now. It's crazy. With polling and the polling and the left and the right. <laughs> Have you thought about a change.org petition or anything, Carlos? Oh, I might have to do that. Yeah. yeah, actually. Yeah, there we go. So that'll be on the next episode. The second question comes from Wayne. Wayne asks, should more research be done in the field of using psychedelic mushrooms towards depression therapy? I think they should. It seems to yeah. me like every time I hear or read an article about they're doing experiments with mushrooms, all these people afterwards are like, oh, yeah, my life is so much better now and shit. Like mm -hmm. they... At least that on the ones that I've read, nobody has argued, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, I think it's the only downside here is it, it's not going to be something that you can easily profit off of because it's been, <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as I know, to get a patent on this thing, you'd probably have to go fight the cows and cows put up a good fight, right? You always look at it from a financial perspective. You know? <laughs> it's like, we're just trying to cure depression here. And you're like, yeah, yeah. but how are we going to make money off of this yeah, shit? Yeah, calm, calm down, Martin Shkreli. <laughs> they could easily make money off of it. I mean, it's like, you know, the pot, whole pot thing. I mean, that's a super lucrative industry nowadays. You know, yeah. No matter of time. Do Now, do you guys, because uh, I've only done mushrooms a handful of times, and I think it hasn't, I mean, it, it was nice, but I didn't really like hallucinate or anything and i think part of it is because i'm also on antidepressants so i think yeah 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 i mean it's like i've never tried it actually oh really no i don't i don't think it would be a good time because i mean like when you have like the baseline i guess because i don't know if i'm anxious in an active way but it's there you know what i mean it's in the background yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's like i only ever did it uh, the what's it called the edible Mm -hmm. marijuana one time i never smoked marijuana in my life i, I had an edible lollipop one time and yeah i, I wouldn't ra i wouldn't necessarily recommend that for my constitution because that's just waves of uh waves of terror you know progressively. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like a good brand name for an edible <laughs> yeah yeah <Waves> of <laughs> and then getting larger into like the <laughs> Almost to the point where it's like 
it gave me a new respect for people who did it on a regular basis because <laughs> it's like, well, I'm the pussy, you know. <laughs> this is horrifying. So, do you drink, Matt? No, no, I don't. It's not risk. I, I have, but I just don't. For some reason, I don't have that bug. I really, really dislike being hungover. And like whatever uh, the appeal of an alcohol buzz is, everything that comes with it, it's the cost to benefit ratio is too heavy for me. I mean, that's yeah. great that you have that fellow. I mean, I can't tell you how much, well, not just, well, what I was going to say is like, I, I would have saved myself so much money on the road if I didn't drink. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. But, but also I've had problems with the law and shit. Yeah, of course. So that part, that alone is, but I just, I've never, well, going back to the anxiety thing is just, I was scared to death the first time I did stand-up comedy. Uh, me too, yeah. So I had to get like super drunk and then eventually I didn't have to get super drunk, but it just made me feel a little more at ease when I had a few drinks. You never dealt with the nerves? Oh, sure. I definitely, I mean, the first time I ever did stand-up, I lost my place and I told the audience if I could blow my head off in front of them, I would. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the first legitimate big laugh I ever got in my career. <laughs> but, I mean, but yeah, no, it really had to, yeah, I really, really, really had to rinse, lather, repeat. Mm-hmm. And I usually, it's like, I usually don't get nervous now, but if I find myself in a situation, if it's like a hell gig, what, you know, whatever. And it's like, I may be, I, cause I'm always never in the right frame of mind to <laughs> deal with like the bad show when it comes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, who is really, to be honest with you? Well, I don't know. It's just always like, oh, if this is a show where it's like, I want to be on autopilot. <laughs> yeah. This is where I'm going to have to talk to them, you know? You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just, with times when I'm just not feeling, like, clever at all and just want to fall back on my act is when I need to engage, you know? That's, I hear you. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, yep. It's like, I'm actually going to have to work for this shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's great, too. But you also strike me, even though you don't drink or do the drugs, you also strike me as a guy, and correct me if I'm wrong, but... That you don't care if other people do. No, it's not my fucking business. Yeah, and so that's how I feel about this thing. Even though I don't do really do mushrooms that often, or I mean, I've done them. I don't know if I don't even know if I've done them a handful of times. But I'm like, hey, if it's gonna help some people with their depression, fuck it, go for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's like when you weigh the antidepressants. I my experience with antidepressants. I mean, I don't want to say it's roundly negative. But I don't take them now. I'm not on them now. Mm-hmm. And them do, I find that to be such a crapshoot. It's like, you don't know. Because, I mean, it's weird to me that you're prescribing somebody a chemical and a dosage of a chemical to ostensibly fix somebody's brain chemistry. When, when For the most part, it's like with psychiatry, you're talking to the person and then diagnosing based on that. You're not actually going in there and seeing what's wrong biochemically you have no idea right yeah right looking haywire so many different ways they're like hey just take this drug for weeks and weeks until it's built up in your system and then you'll either feel better or kill yourself (laughs) (laughs) because that is one of the side effects (laughs) i don't think i used to take prozac when i was a kid and i had this tremendous rage problem 
And then I was off Prozac for years and years. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've really grown as a human being, <laughs> but I was dealing with some more depression. So I started taking Prozac again. And all of a sudden, like, I, didn't, I haven't grown at all. It was always the Prozac all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was where the anger was coming from. So I stopped. Yeah, it's like I'm lucky, and I say this because that's what I'm on, on Prozac, and it's worked for me, but I've also heard plenty of horror stories, or even even if it's not a horror story, it's the other friends of mine, comics that have been on Prozac, like, I just kind of took all my creativity, I didn't feel creative anymore, and I'm like, I, I'm, I guess I'm lucky that way. It's not like I'm happy fun times all the time, but at least I'm not emotional or depressed the whole year. It's like I also had the problem. I never really got the connection between depression and creativity. It's like if if I'm depressed, I don't want to do shit. Yeah, I'm same here, dude. It's like that's what I'm saying. It's like if without the Prozac, I'm just depressed, and depression just makes me depressed. Yeah, (laughs) like (laughs) I don't really. Even if like my comedy is rooted in or anybody's is rooted in cynicism, negativity, it's like. I still find that if I'm happy, I'm more productive and I'm funnier. If like I'm in a better mood, I talk more, I say more funny shit. Right. I mean, I just need to get to the baseline where I'm productive. Yeah. Because yeah, if yeah. I'm just depressed, I just don't want to. Yeah, like you said, I don't feel like doing anything. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the last question of the segment. Becky asks, what is the most fun comedy show you've attended as a patron? So not that you've been in but like you were just sitting watching. And I, I'm going to have to think about this because it's been a long time since I've just been to see a show. But how about you, Bobby? I know you've been to a lot of shows. God, I've been to a lot. Um, Probably the hardest I've ever laughed, I mean, has been seeing Burr or uh, Louie. I mean, I've seen them both a number of times. You know, okay. I mean, I saw Burr do a show in Charlotte one year and it was, I mean, he did, I had never heard any of those jokes before and I and they never made their way to a special or anything. So, okay. I mean, pretty much the whole show was just like throwaway material for him. That's a, apparently how effortless it is for the guy. Right. I've heard people say that about Attell. Like Attell has thrown out material that other comics would have put on a special. type. Of yeah, I could see that. I, again, I'm like, I'm kind of thinking this off the top of my head. If I thought about it for a week, then maybe I would come up with a different answer. But I remember the first time, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast at one point. I don't know if it made it to the final cut. But the first time I went to the Comedy Cellar, I was about a year in to stand-up. Maybe a year or two. And me and Joe Zimmerman went on a trip to New York. And we went to the Cellar. And that's the first time I had ever seen Judah Friedlander. And I, I didn't know who the guy was. I didn't know anything about him. And then when he started on that stick of the whole world champion thing mm-hmm. it was killing me it was just like oh like it was so over the top ridiculous and clever that i was just laughing super hard so just off the top of my head that is one of the best shows i've seen and then after he went up chris rocked it like a 30 minute spot because he just happened to be hanging out but that, uh, off the top of my head that was yeah that was probably one of the best comedy shows that i've ever attended that i was not a part of that wasn't in the actual show. I, w- I, I went to see Segura a couple of years ago, and that was cool because that was the first time I'd seen him when I wasn't working with him. Because that's the other thing. Yeah. is like a lot of times when I'm in a show and I'm opening for a comic that I really like, I'm still too in my head about my set, about me having yeah. to perform. 
So I don't get to enjoy the show as much as if I was just an audience member. But, so that was the first time I ever got to see Tom, just me being in the audience and being able to see it. So I, I enjoyed that a lot more than the other times when I was actually on the show. So hold on a second, though. But I mean, at that point, by the time he's going up, I mean, you would have already gotten off stage. So right. you're still like... I'm no, still, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about everything that I fucked up when I was on stage. You're in a different headspace, basically. Okay. Yeah, the headspace is totally different. The last time that I saw him. How about you, Matt? Do you see very much? Because I honestly don't really go to comedy shows very often that I'm not in. No, no, I really only did it in the initial obsession years phase. I saw Louie at a theater in Lansing. I saw him at a theater in Royal Oak. I think the time I laughed hardest at him was when I lived in L.A. for a minute. He did a drop-in in Meltdown, the comic book store. Oh, right, yeah. First time I saw him do that bit about the uh, boy and the, his mom in the body swap movie, and it's just a, a drama where his dad is fucking him in his mom's body. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a, I had a, who's, is that, whose bit is that? Louis. Louis from his latest special. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that. I... That was, of course, that wouldn't be in his special. That was before the whole kerfuffle with his dick out and all that. that, that yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, because he did end up doing that in his last yeah. special. Yeah, sincerely. Yeah, but I was like, fuck, so I wouldn't see it on film for a long time. And it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. it's funny when that's like, that was just for me for a couple of years until that was out there. That's great, yeah. Dude, the best I've seen, uh, I've seen Louis at a few theaters, and you you could tell some of the people there were like I saw him in Atlanta once, and it was one of those theaters where some of the people had season tickets. They donate a bunch of money every year to the theater. Yeah, and uh, and you can tell some of these wives that did not know what they were getting themselves into. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, you always see that at theater shows, right? Yeah, reason. That's so great. Because it's like you have the comic who people are paying to see now who has their audience and they're and they're able to cater to their audience now, too. But then you have the people there who like aren't there for it at all. Right. It's an interesting dichotomy. I saw that last time. Actually, I think it is. It was the last time I I worked with San Hope was in Charleston, South Carolina. And he did a show at this bar and the tickets were, it wasn't a theater show, but it was just a bar show. But tickets were at least 35 to $40, which is on the high end for Stanhope. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I guess because there's a lot of rich people in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. So I guess yeah. a lot of them just saw, oh, $40, whatever. You know, it's nothing for them. So they're like, oh, yeah, well, fuck it. We're gonna... So a lot of these fancy uppity people from <laughs> Charleston showed up to that show and they sucked. I mean, it was like the yeah. worst fucking show. Uh, and like Stanhope, even going into it, he was like, uh, "Yeah, this is not this is not going to be good." And even Shaley, who's his road manager, he makes all his money from selling merch. But mm-hmm. even Shaley was just like, "Listen, as soon as the show's over, we're leaving. We're not even selling merch. We're just going to mm-hmm. fucking pack it up, get paid. We're out of here." And when the show starts, we and yeah, of course, there's hecklers and there's people that just don't fucking get it. Yeah, yeah. They don't know who the fuck Stan Hope is. They just know they paid $40 to see a stand-up comedian. And bam, we fucking finally get through the whole thing. Show's over. And they go to the van to get the fuck out. And somebody had put a boot on the van. They parked on a spot. Oh, Jesus. So they couldn't fucking leave for another hour till the fucking boot got taken off of the goddamn van. But yeah, that's got to be the... 
Whereas people that are just like, ah, you know, I just, yeah, like you said, Bobby, you have season tickets. So yeah, I'm just going to go see whatever this is. And then they don't even know what the fuck they're getting. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to our next segment. This is Indecorous News. This is a segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to this segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. This first story headline is a bizarre case at a gas station in Bratislava. The woman decided to detain the robber, rebuking him until the police arrived. And now this story was submitted by Ian, but no offense, Ian, but sometimes I got to double check that the stories are real. Okay. So I took it all the way to the source and I got to Navini.sk, which is newspaper or maybe just a news website from Slovakia. So what I did is I found the original article and then I clicked Google Translate. So this is Google Translate's version of the story. Uh Uh-oh. This will be fun. The wording might be awkward at points, but this is straight from the source and Google translating it from Slovak, I guess, to English. So I love it. I'll let you do the first paragraph, Ian. The 24-year-old thief tried to rob a gas station at night from Tuesday to Wednesday night. An aggressive robber entered the gas station. A pump employee began to threaten to kill him if he did not give him money. The employee opened his cash register and the robber took cash from it. He even punched him several times. I, I, I just like the, the idea of this 24-hour robbery, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's from Tuesday to Wednesday. I mean, well, people kept coming in the store. I just had to keep robbing them. You know, it was like, <laughs> it's like the Pulp Fiction. Live streaming it the whole time. I, and again, it's a pump employee began to threaten to kill him if he didn't give him the money. The, yeah, this doesn't... Uh, again, I didn't translate this. This is all Google Translate. But basically, this dude walking to a gas station threatening to rob the gas station. All right, Bobby, yep. you can do this next one. After giving the robber money, the employee went to the back office where another employee was. He went out the back door and called the police. The 24-year-old Serb then moved from the store to the office where he wanted money from the safe. Under mysterious circumstances, an unknown lady entered the back entrance within a few seconds. The pair remained sprained in the pump area. What followed was unparalleled in Slovakia. According to the TV JOJ thief, the woman began to satisfy him orally until the police arrived. They detained the thief. Yes. Okay, so this is, I'm trying to piece this together from this and from everything else I read. The guy took the clerk to the back room, and while they were in the back room, this woman came in through the back door and started giving the thief a blowjob. Yeah, well, listen, you try doing this marathon robbery without calling an escort in the middle of it. Well, it looks like this translation is so awkward. She might have just been feeding him dumplings or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Which would have made so much more sense. So I hope it catches on that unknown lady becomes like a euphemism (laughs) for prostitute. So if we take this at face value, it sounds like she made a citizen's arrest of the sexy variety. Mm Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he hasn't really been arrested yet. He's just, well, I guess they, they detained the thief eventually, I guess. I guess. I'll read the next thing. It says, quote, after the arrival of the PZ patrol on the spot, it was discovered that the person who forfeited the gas station was in its interior. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, however, he put up, the, oh, however, he put up active resistance and coercive measures were used against him. 
and after using them, he was escorted to the appropriate police department. Well, so Wait, does that's... that mean like she blew him, and then like the cop played with his balls? Is... <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think those are that's what uh, falls under coercive measures. Uh, he was escorted to the appropriate police department, where the necessary actions were taken with him. The police informed on Facebook. Okay, this is, that was the, <laughs> that was all a quote that the police informed on Facebook. <laughs> According to TVJOJ, the police were to find the couple in the office half naked and lying on the floor. The woman's first words were said to have sounded, quote, take him, I can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she did her civic duty and she had fucking enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what else you want me to do, man. I've been blowing this guy for, well, since from Tuesday to Wednesday. (laughs) I mean, in my limited knowledge of it, every woman I've talked to about it says it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) And and it doesn't seem like she was getting much in return here. She was just doing like her civic duty. Yeah. So was this just like an upstanding citizen lot lizard that just sprung into action like some sort of cape superhero? Or is this like, should you have a financial interest in the matter? No, I think That's what it, I want to know. I think it's like the Slovakia police has designated police officers to enter and blow the... They've deputized lot lizards I, is what they've done. <laughs> you just you have know, to I, help out any way you can, you know? <laughs> I mean, I guess in her defense, if it were to become some sort of hostage situation, you're probably less likely to shoot the person that just blew you. <laughs> she was oh. just trying to endear herself to him. She's playing the long game. Yeah. Just start blowing people in case your life is ever in danger. You need some people on your side. The thing is, like, well, I mean, this whole thing is ridiculous. But what makes it even more ridiculous is, like, apparently the woman wasn't even in the store. Like, she was somewhere out. She joined the crime scene to (laughs) blow the guy. Yeah. Like, they have some sort of, like, if you see something, blow something kind of (laughs) policy. (laughs) Ian, you can close it out. Why a 36-year-old Czech woman decided to stop a robber with... Just such an unusual method as oral sex remains a mystery. Whether it was really son's heroic deed or she did so out of fear or she just wanted to satisfy the Serb because of the money, it is not clear. The fact is the 24-year-old Serb did not take the money from the pump and did not enjoy it for a long time. <laughs> well, at least she enjoyed it for a short time, though. <laughs> I, I mean, to her credit, that's at least worth trying in like some sort of hostage situation. If the negotiator <laughs> is not very successful, I mean, bring, bring a hooker in. Why not? Right? I, mean, I guess it could set a bad precedent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Robberies could go on a huge rise. <laughs> yeah, and actually, yeah. this that's a great point, because after this, any hostage situation a robber that doesn't get a blowjob is just going to become more angry. Yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> going to be more likely to shoot people because he didn't get a blowjob out of it. Setting a bad precedent there. So in addition to sexual gratification, he was handcuffed and currently should be in a police cell where he has something to explain. <laughs> uh, that might be what he's into too. I don't, I don't know this guy. I mean, this could be uh, icing on the cake. He might be into that sort of shit. Into the what? Getting a blowjob while he's being robbed? No, being hand, yeah, getting handcuffed, being in a cell. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't like how they say that. Oh, where he has something to explain. What are they going to charge him with being naughty? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, in all fairness, he didn't, at least according to this article, he didn't ask to get blown. The woman just yeah. showed up, and what was he supposed to do? Tell her not yeah, to think, blow me? I think she has something to explain. <laughs> yes. well, well, you get to say, well, he came like a thief in the night, you know? All right, we'll move on to the second story. The second story actually happened in America, so we won't have the translation problem. This was actually a story was submitted by one of our Patreon supporters, CJ. So thank you for that, CJ. The headline is, Men in Assisted Living Facility Open Their Own Bar to Get Through Quarantine. <laughs> so, Bobby, you can do the first paragraph. Quarantine has led to a few bottles of red getting uncorked at Morningside Assisted Living in Lancaster, Wisconsin. One day I walked down the hall and said, what are you men up to? And then they invited me into the bar and it's gone from there, says Renee Creasy, a registered nurse and the administrator at Morningside Assisted Living. Yeah, so I guess these old dudes just got bored with quarantine and were like, yeah, fuck it, we're just going to start our own bar at the assisted living facility. They already have bars that are assisted living facilities. That's the VFW, right? (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Ian, you can do this next one. All right, residents decided that since they can't go out, the bar would have to come to them. It all started when one lady walked out of her room and said, Would you gentlemen like this bottle of wine, says Creasy. A couple afternoons each week, the corner bar opens up for business. So I have to wonder if maybe the hospital has one of those insurance policies that kicks in, like once the old people die, so they're like, fuck it, let's get them out of here sooner. So just let them drink themselves to death. Well, what exactly is an assisted living facility? Is it just where old people go to get taken care of? Is that what it is? It's... I think like a nursing home, I mean, they have different, they have varying degrees of the kind of help somebody needs. I mean, not everybody that's in a nursing home is bedridden or whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being in this one, man. If it's just going to be like, hey, ladies coming out of their rooms and being like, hey, who wants some wine? That seems like a pretty fucking partying (laughs) assisted living place. (laughs) Well, we used to have a corner bar in Potosi down here. We said something about putting up a sign, and I said we could call it the corner bar, says resident and wine connoisseur Ron Jose. Well, they are the only four men in the facility. Others are welcome to join so long as they bring a bottle. Oh, there's a couple of good-looking women who get in on it every once in a while, said Jose. <laughs> so I guess they're fucking, too, apparently. Is that what this is put, all put about? Put on the beer goggles, hey. wine goggles, and then it drops their age by 20 years. Mm. They're not going to let COVID keep them down. Well, isn't this also that generation that putting a Mickey in people's drinks was just par for the course? Yeah, that was just dating. That was cool. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was just boys will be boys. <laughs> right, right. That's how half of them met their wives. <laughs> uh, Bobby. All right. Everyone has a role to play at the corner bar. Dennis Stluka isn't a drinking man himself, but enjoys bartending. I kind of roll around in the wheelchair and serve the drinks for them. Says Stluka. <laughs> I will, oh, man, that's a missed opportunity. At least I, that's what the way I would feel. Like, if I'm in a wheelchair already, then that's green light to get hammered as hell, man. Then you, you know you're not going to be falling over and shit. Yeah, you're already sitting down. You're so, already yeah. sitting down. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, even Best if case, you... you pop a willy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this guy apparently yeah, is the sober just, one. Yeah, just don't pass out on a hill, and you're probably going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. We have one staff labeled as the bouncer in case things get too rowdy. Uh, oh, that's not unheard of. Uh, orderly beating the shit out of the old people. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I want that job. Yeah, that dude was, yeah, exactly. That dude was just doing that anyway. So I was like, well, I might as well give you the fucking label. I always remind the boys that the Grant County Sheriff's Office is right down the road. So don't make me call them, says Creasy. Oh, I mean, that what, what, what could possibly go wrong here? I mean, are these old men going to get a little rapey after they're on the sauce? I mean, what's going to possibly happen? Yeah, that's basically the same thing uh, as like I was saying. Well, even though the guy doesn't drink the guy in the wheelchair, but it's like that's the way I feel about if you're in a wheelchair already, then, yeah, you might as well fucking become a daredevil. What is like, you, you know, what I mean, you already broke your fucking neck. Mm. You can't break it again. So you might as well go skydiving and all that shit. So same here. You know, you're a fucking old dude well, what's the worst that's gonna happen man uh, actually the best that could probably happen is that you die uh, you know what i mean like you probably welcome it at that point being old as fuck and just dying drunk that'd be fucking awesome and if yeah. you die you don't have to deal with the hangover <laughs> <laughs> so all the men come from different backgrounds dennis used to work for john deere and on his hobby farm ron ran a garage richard was a farmer and Alvin was a school teacher. This almost sounds like a sitcom in the making of this. <laughs> Through sips of Gab Cabernet and Pinot Grigio, the corner bar has brought the men closer together during a time of isolation. The facility has been closed to visitors throughout the pandemic. It's like an elderly cheers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, basically. Ian, you can go ahead. In case anyone needs directions to the literal corner of the facility where the corner bar sits... The gentlemen have now named the hallways. So we have Main Street over here and Water Street over here, says Creasy while pointing to the designated <laughs> streets. Those are named but after residents who live on those halls. Now the community is getting in on the fun, donating bottles of wine for the men to enjoy. Yeah, I wonder who the guy that they named Water Street is. That's the guy that has the pins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming all of them have Depends, but apparently this guy really fucking overflows. Or maybe he's just the guy that refuses to put on the Depends. Yeah, dude. He's the one that just can't accept reality. So Morningside Assisted Living hopes to welcome more people into the corner bar once COVID-19 cases decrease and visitors can again join them for activities. We want them to have fun here and enjoy life to their fullest. So if this is one way they can do that, we love it, said Creasy. I feel like the only reason they're not getting busted is ALE has some COVID restrictions or something keeping them from doing bust right now. Who, who does? ALE? Al Al oh, alcohol law enforcement. Oh, dude. See, Bobby used to be an alcoholic, so he's a lot more familiar with the... He knows all the lingo. <laughs> yeah, he knows all the lingo. I'm not as familiar with it. Well, yeah, I, I say more power to these old guys. I'm surprised they didn't have this shit to begin with, even before COVID. Just fucking goddamn go for it. Get hammered every day. Do some mushrooms. Guys, we're going to move on to our main topic of the night in decorous deep dive. We build this show as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but we always deliver on the former. This week's deep dive was written by Ian. What? Yeah. So I'll explain it. Today's kids live in a plastic bubble of safe words, ignoring strangers with candy, no score sports, and technology safe spaces. From Gen Z down to today's toddlers, kids of today will never know the simple pleasures of working a 12-hour shift getting chased by a junkyard dog, or catching tetanus from dumpster diving. There's the indecorous history of back when kids were in pussies. Fuck and yeah. again, Ian wrote this, so Ian, you should start us off, man. Is everybody Do familiar with uh, No Score Sports before we jump into this? Because that no. one might be the one people don't know about. No, I don't know what that, what are No Score Sports? So I think everyone's familiar with the concept of helicopter parenting, but this No Score Sports takes that shit like 12 steps further it's where they play little league games and basketball games where they literally 
don't keep score because if one team loses, it hurts their feelings. So it's just the and ultimate I, pussy sports for the little kids. I don't so, get it. I don't. Well, okay. You, you, I'm sure we'll get to it, but go ahead. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. But back in the day, kids were awesome. They weren't pussies. That's the story about how the good old days Like were when I played T-ball when I was a really little kid, we had no score, but that's because we were all too stupid to know how the game worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to hit the ball and run to the pitcher. That's And I will say that I haven't been to very many. I think I would almost enjoy more watching Little League T-ball than actual Major League Baseball just because of the stupid, like they run the wrong way and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Ian, were you chased by junkyard dogs as a child? Weren't that- we all? I mean, is that just me? Or I mean, I'm assuming everybody was, right? I think that might be a Rowan County thing. <laughs> you guys didn't have the gnarly badass childhood I did, apparently. Uh, yeah, I did not, not get chased by a junkyard dog. <laughs> all right, so I'll start us off here. Today's helicopter parents won't even let their kids play outside of their gated subdivision. But back in the day, parents were more cool. Not only did kids get to play wherever the fuck they wanted... But parents even sent their kids via the U.S. mail to travel to see the extended family. Back in the early 1900s, it was perfectly legal to mail children. With stamps attached to their clothing, children would often hop on trains alongside boxcar hobos to get to their destinations. When parents couldn't ship the kids off, they would put them in baby cages to shut them up, which were widely popular for ages three and up. For ages three and up? Okay. <laughs> so yes. you put a twelve-year-old in that motherfucker. <laughs> if they're annoying enough, the answer is yes. Yeah, just ship off your twenty-seven-year-old. So I had to look this up because I didn't believe it, but the whole thing about the mail is like totally legit. People could put a little stamp on their kids' clothes, throw them on a train, and they would just get where the the mail person was sending them, and it was I, totally used by the poor people all the time. I mean, wasn't this basically just the Amtrak of its day? It sounds like it's just a train ride. <laughs> would right? they so would there be actual people in charge at least of being like hey i just put my kid with a stamp in there make sure that he gets delivered <laughs> to the right place oh, oh sorry we lost him yeah, yeah. The underpaid post officer dude would have to watch the little kid wander around the train and shit oh wow holy shit what man. if this is the whole reason packing peanuts and bubble wrap were invented too <laughs> <laughs> Originally, it was actual peanuts just to feed the child in the box. Back in the 1800s, children from 10 to 14 would typically work as an apprentice at the family business. But by the Industrial Revolution, most kids started working at factories. Children were ideal employees because they could be paid less, were less likely to organize and strike against their lousy working conditions, and because they were so wee, they could be physically dominated easily if they ever got out of line. By the year 1900, 20% of all American workers were under the age of 18. As if this weren't fun enough, heavy immigration from the 1850s on paved way for a fun new source of child labor, kids that couldn't speak English. Businesses had the perfect plausible deniability for savage work conditions because it's not exploitation if they can't understand you. Uh, kids can't vote, so fuck them, and immigrants aren't even people to begin with, so everybody wins. Yeah, okay, now read the story, Bobby. <laughs> Stop proselytizing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is just, this is why we need things like, oh, and it's been talked about before, like minimum wage where we need a minimum wage because otherwise these companies or factories would pay even less sort of thing. Oh, it's yeah. like the only reason they don't do it is because they can't get away with it. And that's the same with this shit. It was like, well, there's no law that says we can't have kids work, so fuck it. 
Put them to know, work. It sounds like socialism to me, Carlos. Yeah. Slippery <laughs> slope to communism. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the coolest jobs for young whippersnappers back in the day was to sign up for the Pony Express. From 1860 to 1861, the company tried to heavily recruit kids, but specifically orphans. One of their ads read, quote, Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert writers, willing to risk death daily. Orphans strongly preferred, unquote. <laughs> Thanks to a bunch of kids that weren't pussies, the Pony Express single-handedly cut down on information and mail delivery from the East Coast to the West Coast by 10 days on average. And what's a few hundred dead orphans that no one cared about in the first place if you can't get your mail faster? This amazing business was kicking ass and changing the game until the invention of the telegraph in 1861. Goddamn telegraph. Yeah, they had such a good racket before the times. I mean, this right. is like, think about the jingle. They could say, what's a few hundred dead orphans? You get the mail so fast. Well, wouldn't it be if you were like an intermediate level rider? And then you see, like, the dead orphan wagon, and you're like, oh, shit, that could have been me if I'd, uh, if I'd practiced more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is what I'll go. I'm trying to fucking find a silver lining on this horrible shit. But I guess that their whole philosophy behind this thing is that orphans have nothing else to live for. Mm-hmm. So you might as well fucking do this shit. Oh, and plus less mm-hmm. paperwork. Whenever an orphan does, it's not like you have to call mom and dad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't even have to put it in the newspaper. Yeah, you don't have to find another orphan to Pony Express the death notice to the... Yeah, exactly. Just throw it in the dead orphan pile. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> What's funny, too, is that the only reason this shit stopped is because we invented the telegraph. It wasn't, it wasn't like anybody was like, man, it's cruel. We can't be doing this. And like, nah, it was just the technology. Yeah. And then it was tough times for the dead orphan business. <laughs> yeah. I know. Do you think there was a guy with an orphanage where he's like trying to hold off on getting a telegraph for a while? Yeah. No, let's keep doing the Pony Express. Gotta, yeah. yeah. Got to fill up a few beds here, you know? Nobody thinks about the guy that invested all his money on orphans. <laughs> Throughout the 1800s and into the early 1900s, businesses were crushing it and kids were carrying their own weight for once. So, of course, a group of buzzkill crybaby parents went and started the National Child Labor Committee in 1904. Their singular un-American goal was to turn productive wage-earning kids into unemployed deadbeats that would just live in your basement until the age of 25. (laughs) But fighting the good fight on behalf of the hardworking kids were the great southern conservative states who used church groups and the farm lobby to fight back. They didn't want the big government telling them what they could and couldn't do with their kids. Staying on brand, they said, this wasn't about using children as slaves. This was about states' rights. <laughs> Isn't that like the go-to for any time you want to do something fucking super shitty is states' rights? States' rights, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, finally, FDR, the worst president in history, came along with, <laughs> with a bunch of batshit crazy ideas like the 40-hour work week, minimum wage, social security, and the end to good, honest work by kids. So by the mid-1900s, the false narrative that kids preferred playing and enjoying their childhood instead of working 12 hours a day became mainstream, and the innocent glory days of child labor were over. Yeah, this is, again, why I started saying who writes these things at the beginning of the thing. (laughs) Otherwise, Bobby's going to get all the heat for this shit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I could still just quote you and use that as a fucking promo for the show. You will never believe what Bobby said. (laughs) 
again, yeah, this is just basically what I said earlier. Is just the reason that a lot of these laws exist is because if they weren't there, somebody would abuse this shit. And they always say that, oh, no, the free market would sort it all out. Right, right. It's like, no, that would just be the one thing that all competing businesses agree on is that they're going to treat their employees horribly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like, we're all on board with this, right? (laughs) Okay, cool. It would be like everybody's using child labor except for Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. So today, the only gainfully employed children in the U.S. are the proud little girls employed by the Girl Scout Cookie Company. In an ironic twist of hypocrisy, Girl Scout parents were recently outraged when they discovered most of the ingredients in the cookies came from a supply chain that heavily uses child labor. 85% of the world's vegetable oil production comes from Indonesia and Malaysia, which employ hundreds of thousands of children. Sugar from South America and Africa uses both child labor to harvest crops and child soldiers to make sure shit gets done fast and efficiently and no one tries to unionize. <laughs> yeah. This is also the story of everything. You know what I mean? Like, we do a lot of stories about how horrible things were in the past in America. But a lot of these stories of how horrible things were in the past in America is how horrible things are in the present in third world. Yeah, just concluded with, yeah. this is still yeah. going on just somewhere yeah, else. Exactly. Like, you don't have to think about it or anything. Exactly. That's how we solve issues. We just take them out. It's not going to be in front of your face anymore. So that, yeah, yeah you don't, don't worry about it. Well, it's kind of like we talked about on the tobacco episodes. I mean, all the tobacco companies, all the things that they are now prohibited from doing in the U.S., they're like, well, we could still do that shit in Indonesia, right? I mean, (laughs) right, right. We just, yeah, all this seeming progress that we make when we talk about these stories of horrific things done in the past. If we were doing this podcast in Indonesia, it would be a whole completely different story. So like Joe Camel, he's just like a washed up rock star who's uh, still huge in other countries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, he's yeah. big in Europe, like Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah like in Thailand, he fucking can't go yeah. to the mall without getting mobbed. <laughs> All right, Ian, you can do the next one. It has been said that only shitty things are named after children. Child abuse, child neglect, child molestation, child abandonment, and child of God. But some good things have came from children, too. For example, the CIA has confessed to using children in sting operations to catch child molesters. In the 1950s, before technology was awesome and deep fakes were a thing, the FBI had to use real children to lure out unsuspecting pedophiles in their little entrapment routines. Going a bit further, to put points on the board for kiddos, recently a former high-ranking CIA official was asked, did the CIA ever use child prostitutes to control assets? To which the CIA officer responded, I played the fifth. The things we have done to control assets go beyond the moral comprehension of most people. <laughs> so basically what? They were using kids? Oh, dude, going back to the classic phrase, two wrongs make a right. As long as you catch the bad guy, child prostitutes are all above board. They absolutely did this. Before they could do someone in a little chat room pretend to be a little 10-year-old. Hey, I'm a little 10-year-old kid. I'm real sexy. Come meet me. They would literally string a little real kid out there. And throw him out as bait and then catch the bad guy. Hey, it is fucked up, but I mean, how else would you just fucking hire midgets? I mean, how? what other options do you have? Were they child prostitutes or were they just undercover children, you know? <laughs> I, think, yeah, right. I, think, I think both. You know, they did the undercover children thing, but they also did the child prostitutes to control assets where there was like a, like a big boss. 
three levels above them, so they had to kind of infiltrate the organization and kind of work an asset to try to give up the boss or whatever. So is the boss a child? So it's kind of okay, like the boss baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be the best. Uh, they always use the greater good argument to kind of say, like, you know, well, we did kill some people and some child prostitutes, this and that, but we got the bad guy. This is what that cartoon. You guys remember that cartoon, CIA Babies? this is what it was based on cia babies that was like the pg version of what really happened apparently yeah yeah it was a saturday morning cartoon cia babies i remember that muppet babies and cia babies (laughs) so up until the 1980s before there were 75 genders boys and girls in junior high and high school were forced to shower together during pe if you were gay or had a small dick you just got made fun of or maybe gently beat up by a few friends just having a good time. Today's kids will never know the simple joy of knowing they have a bigger cock, bigger tits, or deeper gash than their friend. Again, I don't even know why I say that Ian wrote this one. I mean, it really. <laughs> well, they can't see the, mis- they the can't misspellings. See the misspellings. Yeah. yeah, but fucking gash. When was the last time you said gash, Bobby? <laughs> Yeah, when I time-traveled and wanted to fit in. (laughs) (laughs) Bigger cock, bigger tits, or deeper gash than their friends in the shower. Not only are today's kids using fake illnesses like asthma and anxiety to get out of running suicides during PE. Running suicides? You know what that is? It's like wind sprints. You just go back and forth up and down the the basketball court really fast. Well, I'll get back to it, but... But they are trying to get schools to teach eSports as part of PE class. So what I was going to say is that I didn't go, I I went to elementary school in the United States, but I went to high school in Colombia. So I I don't, I never had the experience of showering. You had to shower naked with all the other kids. You missed out, bro. It was a good time. Oh my God. That That, sounds like a nightmare. Dude, that might've been your, I mean, I know apparently more people did that, but I don't know. They didn't have any of that at school that I went to. How about you, Matt? Did you have to do that shit? We didn't have, we didn't do it in PE. It was math class. That was math class. <laughs> I, yeah, no, we got a football team though. I played football, and that was just a bonfire of uh, homoerotic, you know. <laughs> I guess you would say horseplay, but just uh, just just a lot of lot of comparing and contrasting, a lot of talk. Good lord. A lot of curiosity. Yeah, very open. It was like. <laughs> It was like they were trying to stop a gas station robbery up in that bitch. It could have gone that route, I think. Yeah, given enough time and freedom. <laughs> yeah, so I did it. But I'm okay. So, Ian, you did, I'm assuming. Were you being chased by a junkyard dog, too, while you were naked yeah, in front well, of everybody? Yeah, that's how you work up a sweat. Then you got to go shower <laughs> with everybody afterwards. Yeah, it was kind of sort of this. I mean, it was my Cub Scout master, not so much the boys in the class, so much as just me and him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a little awkward, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah. So they don't do that anymore, though. Yeah, but he paid you per picture, so it was <laughs> worth it. Yeah, so, so unlike Carlos, I'm not shy about dropping my age. You know, I was probably about... What? I honest... tell people I'm 30 all the time. What are you talking about? Every other podcast I tell people so, I'm So 30. I, I missed this by about five years, to be completely honest. I mean, when I started, it was still, for mo- like most people, middle school. But the generation right above mine did the junior high school. Whenever they cut it off is when they changed the whole shower policy. Like, literally... One or two years before I made it to middle school, that's right whenever they cut it out. But it used to be everyone in junior high. It seems like a nightmare, naked. dude. I mean, I because I was very shy when I was in school too, and so I, like I said, I never had to go through this. But what they did have in Colombia, they have mandatory military service, like a draft type of thing. 
Yeah. So on your senior year of high school, all the kids have to get, and the, I don't know why they do this, but I mean, I guess maybe it's the most efficient way of doing it. They they grab all the kids from all the schools and whatever district you're in, and you all meet in one auditorium or something, and they take each class one by one, and they make all the kids get in a circle and then pull their pants down, and they check your balls and shit. And so everybody gets to see if, well, I mean, you don't have to, but pretty much people are going to stare at other people's balls and dicks. And that was for a year. That was the thing I was dreading the most is that day you have to pull your pants down and show everybody your dick. <laughs> then you Im- illegally migrated to America. I mean, that was my <laughs> to get plan. Out of it. Yeah. Well, for, I didn't get out of that part, but if I had gotten drafted, uh, that was my plan. <laughs> I was like, as soon as I get drafted, I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Fortunately, I didn't get drafted, but yeah, just the thought of having to, pull my pants down in front of everybody, all the other dudes, and then, oh my God. I'll read this one. I didn't, I didn't put a name on it. Okay. Unlike today's kids, back in the 1930s Eastern Europe, kids were real team players. During Stalin's forced industrialization of Russia, he would take all the farmers' food and crops they grew, leaving them to starve. This led to extensive cannibalism, including many recorded cases of parents eating their children. <laughs> this, yeah, this event called, quote, the Holodomor, H-O-L-O-D-O-M-O-R, was also known as terror famine, the great man-made famine, or doing a solid for your pops. Most ungrateful (laughs) kids today would rather play video games all day than feed one of their legs to a starving parent. So this is, okay, again, Ian, this is true? Yeah, dude. Totally true. So back in Stalin's day, he was he was pretty hardcore about fucking over the peasants, and he didn't like the peasants, and made them eat their kids. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a good way to instill fear in the lower class of society. I, I mean, I have no doubts that Stalin was an asshole, but the whole parents eating their kids, that seems a bit extreme. I mean, I don't have any kids. I guess none of us do. But uh, from everything I hear, parents love their children, right? Yeah, I like that it's not parents sacrificing themselves for the kids. It's like... Yes, <laughs> no. Dominic- <laughs> no, no. Did they eat the whole kid or was it a limb? Or, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. How, and which one is the crueler one? You know what I mean? It's like, I mean then after you did it, did you share at least? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Let me have some of my own thigh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let me have a bite, yeah, at least. Real. Hey, well, to be fair, I mean, there's only two of you. You, you can make more of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're just looking at it like it's a factory. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah factory exactly. farming. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, no, that is... Uh, well, okay, it seems pretty unbelievable to begin with, but yeah. Well, that would be my question. What would be the crueler thing? To just fucking kill the kid and eat the kid whole? Or just cut one of its arms off and let it live knowing that you're willing to cut another one if you get hungry enough? I think as long as he gets to, to nibble on its own limb, then you could make the case that it's better to stay alive and get fed your own leg. I mean, hey, you know what? You eat one of those arms, though, and then could you imagine a better behaved child? <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate motivator. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, then you're like, well, clean your room. And you're like, with what fucking arm? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, eventually, once you take the arms, it's like, again, it's like these people that are already on the wheelchairs. Like, yeah, well, you already took both my arms. What the fuck else are you going to take my leg? I don't give a fuck. I don't want to live anymore. Unless the mom's like a really good cook. And then she like feeds you back the arm and you're like, all right, I get it. I'm I was pretty- really pissed off before, but after tasting that, it was the bomb. Five stars. Fuck yeah. I'm pretty delicious. All right, Ian, you can do this next one. As much as labor unions 
have been linked to nefarious job-killing plots throughout the years. In 1911, they got some real blood on their hands. The Triangle Shirtwaist Fire is considered one of the most deadly fires in New York City history to this day. A group of 100 or so happy child workers were enjoying their normal, easy 13-hour shift when one of them wanted a bold, refreshing cigarette. Somehow, a small fire broke out, and everyone would have safely escaped, too. But all the doors had been locked in order to keep out those pesky labor unions. And, of course, to prevent anyone from taking too long of a break. You know, just par for the course there. So all the children either died from suffocating in the fire or jumped to their death. Many impelled themselves on a fence below when they jumped. Today's kids would probably have just taken selfies with a sad-sounding hashtag and crying kitty cat filters, but the indecorous kids from back in the day were yoloing and jumping out to gnarly heroic deaths, inspiring the creation of the garbage pill kids in the process. <laughs> so there is a silver lining, is what you're saying. Ian. I'm telling you, dude, the kids back in the day were fucking. They were the real deal. They weren't the little pussies we have today. They were just like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking go out like a chump, sitting here suffocating, or I can just wreck myself in some gnarly fucking pose right on the metal spikes below. That shit's gonna be a mess to clean up. I'm gonna go out like that. Yeah. So being a kid in the early 1900s was just metal as fuck. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. This punk rock as hell, metal as fucking... Today's kids couldn't fucking hold water compared to the kids of the past. You're impaling yourself. You're getting eaten by your fucking parents and shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, dude, working, earning your own fucking living wage. I mean, how baller is that shit? Yeah, and we complain. Like, you have grandparents now that talk about, like, ah, and, you know, when I was young, I had to walk through snow and shit. And, like, they're, they're the ones that survived. They're the ones that were the actual pussies that weren't doing the real shit. Like, these other motherfucking kids that never got to be old. I had to go to school naked uphill both ways in the snow. And then their, <laughs> their parent was like, oh, yeah, my dad ate me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the last segment of the podcast. This is Indecorous Laws. Every week or whenever we feel like it, we highlight some of the oddest laws in different states of the United States. Most of these laws were real laws, at least at some point. Some of them have since been repealed, and others are sadly still on the books. One of these may be unverified. This week we're doing North Dakota. You've been in North Dakota, right, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not in a while, but yeah. Same here, yeah. I've, uh, it's been a minute since I've done North Last Dakota. Last time I was there was when uh, that comedy club... Did you ever do the one that was in the hotel? Sioux Falls or something. I can't remember. It, it went out... I, I did one that was at, like, Dickinson... Or something like that. But I did Dickinson North. Dick. I did the. Did you do the fracking town? Yeah, yeah. The I ended up. It was weird. I did it with Dave Landau, and we ended up. It was terrifying. <laughs> but like the show wasn't that bad, except it was mostly men. One clear prostitute who hit on Dave very hard, but <laughs> unsuccessfully, might have. But anyway, there was a guy in the front row. He was a British fella, and I asked him why he was there, and I'm, I'm like, because he said, him, where are you, I said, him, where are you from? He's like, from London? I'm like, what the fuck are you doing in London? You're just here for the oil? He's like, yeah. And then he wasn't an oil jockey. He was a goddamn writer for The Economist. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so he wrote a story in The Economist about the fracking boom town in North Dakota. Fracking Hilarious was the name of it. <laughs> I think he enjoyed the show. Yeah, and so, but I mean, that's the weirdest credit I have is the write-up in The Economist. <laughs> wow. I, I did that, and I met this dude at the show. He was talking to me afterwards, and he was, part of my intro was that I had worked with Stanhope, and he was like, oh, man, you work with Stanhope? I love Stanhope. 
And usually when that happens, it's some crazy person. And sure enough, this dude, he was up there for all that fracking shit. And he showed me, he's like, look, man, I got this uh, swastika. He had a swastika tattoo on his arm. And his story was like, man, I got this as a goof because my my brother, he married a, a Jewish woman. So I got this swastika. Because I thought it'd be fun. <laughs> because I thought it'd be hilarious to get a swastika. <laughs> And I'm like, to this day, I'm not sure if I believe the guy or if he just concocted that story to try to come up with an excuse as to why he got a swastika tattoo at some point. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised he's like, well, you know, it didn't start out a Nazi thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I started reading a little bit more and then, oh, OK, now I get it. Yeah. So we're doing North Dakota now. And we're going to start off with this first law. Bobby, you can do the first one. No person, firm, or corporation shall exterminate pigeons or other harmful wild birds without first having obtained a permit from the Fargo Health Department. I mean, is that a thing that people do a lot frequently, kill pigeons? Oh, it was a big problem before this, yeah. Yeah, big <laughs> yeah. big pigeon massacres. Yeah. Is there a whole economy? I think it's like the Alka-Seltzer challenge, right? Where you feed them Alka-Seltzer and they explode. Is that what it is? You guys heard about this? No, I've heard about it, but I didn't do it. You had a very different childhood than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in many ways, mine was more innocent, but in many ways it wasn't. But yeah, Alka-Seltzer is just a fun ingredient that doesn't mix well with Diet Coke and pigeons. So you can, uh, <laughs> if you want to laugh, if you want to impress the ladies or horrify them, depending on their temperament, it's a, it's a fun time had by yeah. all is all I'm saying. Yeah, every time you tell a story, I'm convinced you grew up in the 1950s. <laughs> all right ian you can do this next story all right all members of north dakota's dry pea and lentil council must be citizens huh well, so a little, little, little racist there perhaps and by citizens are we talking what about the native americans because i know that there's a lot of a gray area there for in that region that's another thing that i didn't really i was not aware of because i mostly grew up on the east coast so where, where are you matt are you originally from detroit yeah, yeah, I'm from Detroit, Dearborn, yeah. There's not a whole lot of uh, Native American population in that area, is there? Not not in the, not in Detroit proper, but up north there is. Right, but not in, in Detroit. And in the cities where I grew up in, there was never been like a big Native American population. So when well, I, I don't go think to... there's much of a Native American population anywhere in this country anymore, Carlos. Well, no, but there are some places where they do have a lot of Natives, and that's when I would Reservations, notice. Reservations, like, I think they call like them. They <laughs> would, they would, uh, like there would be like racist people like against native americans where i was like what native wasn't isn't there like a cowboys and indians type of thing but no i mean there's towns out there where there are genuinely a lot of native americans that show up and they're like ah these fucking well i don't know if, i don't think they say native americans when they're trying to racial slur them it'd be kind of funny if they did there they're just throwing it around like it's an epithet <laughs> Yeah, Native American. Yeah, yeah they but got no, these it, fucking it, natives coming. But there is a thing though. There, it, if you go to some some states out in like Oklahoma or like especially smaller towns, they're like, oh yeah, you know these engines, they they come in here and they get all drunk <laughs> and then they start shit. And they start and like, with these crazy ideas about peas and lentils. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's funny because you just know somebody on the North Dakota Dry Pea and Lentil Council is a truther about somebody else on the council. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I hate that the lentil people had to get involved because then it could have just been the North Dakota DP Council. It would have been a lot funnier yeah, <laughs> for, for t-shirts. Leave it to the lentil people to ruin everything. <laughs> 
You've done the casinos. You've done casino gigs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do the UP ones up in Michigan. Well, there used to be one. There was one. It was Turtle Creek, and it was a nice hotel. You would go and turn on the TV in the hotel room, and it would just be this little short film about how 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 much devastation the white man had wrought yeah, on, yeah. The, on the tribe. It was just a horror show of disease, death, famine, poverty. Right up until we let them have casinos. And then, you know, you started to be able to provide schools and housing and hospitals for the community to the point where you're just like, you just turn it off and be like, I think I'm going to go downstairs and uh, spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember. I actually did the last, was Turtle Creek the one in Traverse City? Yeah, 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 it was. I did the last show there. Actually, Dom Pare, who was our guest a couple of weeks ago, we went to do the show, and then when we got there, like, yeah, by the way, this is the last show we're ever going to do. I always like that one, too. I remember one time I did a last show in uh, Spring Lake, Michigan. It's a hotel bar, and it's like, yeah, they're shutting us down next week. And there's like four people at the bar. So, you know, they had to give us the check anyway. What are you going to do? There's just nothing on writing on it. And it's like, <laughs> How about you just give me the check then? We can call it a night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> was that the one that was like west of Grand Rapids? It was. Yeah, it was. It was right on the water and like it's a vacation town, yet invariably I'm always doing it in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I actually, that's the last time I ever did the UP gigs was I booked it in January and I was uh, like, never again, dude. Oh, no, 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 and no. I was no. like, I spun my car out at one point. I got stuck oh, in a sure. snowbank, had to call a tow truck. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I risked my life because they had one, they had a ski resort in Minnesota and then Traverse City the next day. And I'm the only one with Google Maps and MapQuest, apparently, because <laughs> I looked it up. And it, like, and the worst thing is you had this little villa with like a hot tub all to yourself. And then you're like, oh, I have a 12-hour drive. So, and there's a blizzard coming. So I have to wake up as soon as possible and outrun this blizzard. Yeah. So I had to get up with a cold and then like speed through the UP which I got a speeding ticket for, uh, then that which I w couldn't go up to the back, which I just had to take the pay it and take the points because uh, I couldn't. Go, I wasn't gonna go back up there to contest it, you know. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I was just fucked. Yeah, that sucks when you get a ticket on the road. It's like, oh, when the fuck house? Like, I don't even know what town I'm in right now. No, no, I had no idea where it was because it was just me, the cop, desolation, and signs for moose crossing up. That's how far up you are. <laughs> yeah. There's little moose crossing signs. There's fucking nothing. When I did that last UP run and I got stuck in the snowbank, I got pulled. The tow truck pulled me out. Yeah. But I still had like shitloads of snow stuck under the wheel wells and shit. Yeah. the next day i just had to go to a mechanic shop just to be like hey just can you just put my car up inside there so that snow will melt like you don't have to do anything to the car yeah. <laughs> it just has to be warm for at least an hour so i can get this shit off of my fucking car why do we do this why yeah exactly dude and i'll do this last one north dakota allows you to shoot an indian on horseback if you're in a covered wagon Oh, God. Cowboys they, and Indians. Yeah, I told you. Classic. I told you these fucking states that have a lot of Native American populations, they're fucking racist as fuck. How, how, how much heavy lifting do you think North Dakota citizens go through to get someone they don't like onto a horse's back? 
Right. You know, somebody going out of the way to get their wife on a horse's back <laughs> to prove she has Native American blood somehow. Well, to be fair, now they just allow you to do it. It used to be a mandate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you don't have to scalp the Indian anymore. Yeah, now, now you at least have a choice in the matter. Now we understand why there's a covered wagon business over there. Yeah. <laughs> this is how Wells Fargo got started, actually. <laughs> it was just a shooting business. All right, guys, we made it through the podcast. Matt, thanks so much for doing the podcast, man. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for Yeah, thanks for doing it, man. Yeah, appreciate it, dude. So what have you been up to? Have you been able to do some shows since this I've whole... done too many shows, probably. I guess the sad thing is I moved back to this side of the country from California, and I would say arguably I've been busier during the pandemic than I was in L.A. with wide open stand-up-wise, you know? Right, right. I've done okay. It's just, just now, nowadays it's like the onus is on you to make a name for yourself somehow. Right. Somehow, some way. And, you know, I got my Twitter and my Instagram and my YouTube channel. I mean, there's nothing on them in my <laughs> They're <laughs> there if I ever, you know. I have all the tools at my disposal now and well and it's like you bought the land, but you know, exactly, you... exactly, exactly. <laughs> you set your flag down. Well, actually, yeah. Why don't you promote that, dude? What are your handles and shit? It's, it's just all one word Matt McClowry, M A T T M C C L O W R Y. Right on, dude. I mean, Google, if people misspell my name a lot, and Google auto corrects it anyway. So, I mean, it's... oh, perfect. That's fucking perfect, dude. Yeah, so. You're lucky, dude. Mine just corrects to Carlos Mencia. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I got pretty much fucked on that one. Well, appreciate it, dude, man. I hope to see you again soon on the road sometime, bro. Oh, likewise, likewise, Carlos. Yeah. All right, man. Take it easy, brother. Take it easy, bro. Bobby. Uh, 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 you know, you know, you know, let's, you know, like, like, you know, like, like, uh, you know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, got any last words? This is, uh, like, 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 you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, Yep. Nailed it yep. one more time, buddy. How about you, Ian? You got any last words? Anything else? Well, actually, I do have some hot fire, but you know what? It's just, I think it's almost too much of a hot take for this. So I think we're going to hop on over to Patreon and do a little Patreon exclusive episode. Whoa. I'll do a little, I, I, I yeah. know, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do an Ian's hot fire segment I, on yeah. Patreon. Patreon <laughs> after dark. And I'll do a little, t- I'll do a little. Do a little teaser so people understand what we're getting into. Okay. It is going to be indecorous investing. So this is the next big game stop, boys. I'm telling you, this one's going to go to the moon. And the best part is, you know, 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 like you know, um, you know, it's evil as shit. So oh my if you, god, if, if you guys enjoyed the game stop story, and I'm sure everyone did, this is the next thing that's going to make that look like peanuts, and it's hilarious, by the way. This has got to be rocket ships, diamond hands, all that. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about YOLOs, talking Whoa. about 55 rocket ship emojis, and, you know, the, you know, you know, you know, you know, 
I'm talking about taking an entire fucking continent on the globe right off the fucking board. I mean, Holy it's going to... shit. I mean, we're talking about nuclear Armageddon, you know, like, you know, like, uh, like, you know, like, like, you know, and this is going to get pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, just invest in Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil it. Yeah, that's right. Spoiler alert, Bobby. All right. Well, let's get to that then. So we're going to wrap up the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Patreon if you want to hear this hot shit that uh, fucking Ian's about to drop. It's hot fire, Carlos. Oh, sorry. Hot fire. Hot fire. We got some hot fire after the podcast action. Also, we've been dropping special bonus outtakes every week now for the last three, four weeks and bonus episodes. So you can just join us at patreon.com slash indecorouscomedy. We have all kinds of levels, but everything, $3 and up, you get all the bonuses. You'll have to wade through the lukewarm fire to get to the hot fire. Yeah, exactly. So stay tuned if you're on Patreon. We're going to have some exclusive hot fire coming from Ian. Thank you for listening, guys. Rock your cat. Rock your cat. Little 10-year-old kid, I'm real sexy. Come meet me.